0: You know, you see videos on the Internet of like, here's a bunch of teenagers trying to use a rotary phone. So you can now add something else to the list that teenagers will not have any recollection of. Windows 10 now lets you remove a USB drive without safely removing the USB drive. (laughs) What did they do to make that happen? Probably just turned off the notification. All right, welcome to episode one hundred and fifteen of Touchpoint. As always, I am Reed Smith, joined by Chris Boyer. Hey, Reed! Happy days! Absolutely. Well, we're back for episode one hundred and fifteen. Uh, another great week for front of us. Uh, like we've said before, we record these on Sunday night, so that's right. I'm always kind of looking at like what the week is going to bring, and so well, thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Be sure to subscribe, rate, review wherever you get your podcast. And uh, touchpoint.health is the website I encourage you to go out there and check out Not only our show, but all the other ones On the Touchpoint Network Sign up for the weekly TPS report Email is going to come out every Monday With uh, some aggregated news from around the industry And uh, as we're recording this Our co-host What is he? Greg is not our co-host He is our He's a host on our network Yeah, he's a colleague host a call host <laughs> anyway host host data point he is down in New Orleans at the American telemedicine Association's uh, conference and so those that have listened to some of those episodes that is uh, that's where he is so we have more fun content coming out of him so be sure to follow along on Twitter we're gonna talk a little bit about websites today but before we do let's uh, take a brief pause and hear from one of our sponsors and we'll be right back
1: using powerful AI driven algorithms, Loyal's Guide helps patients along every step of their journey, from choosing a doctor and finding the nearest location to signing up for an event or clinical trial. Whether you are using Guide's chatbot, live chat, or the powerful combination of both, Loyal's engaging platform integrates seamlessly into your system, maximizes efficiency, and improves patient's digital experience. To learn more or schedule a demo, visit them online at loyalhealth.com forward slash demo. That is loyalhealth.com forward slash demo. We're
2: going to talk about websites today, and this actually comes from a conversation I was having prior to a recording. Uh, I was talking to someone about websites, and I and I actually
0: said, you know, your website isn't your website anymore. Whoa! I don't know if that makes sense to you. Website is not your website anymore. Yeah, it, why, why don't you expand on that a little bit? Well,
2: yeah, I had to expand on it after I said it too because it sounded kind of funny. But what really what I was getting at is the fact that the websites that we're building today, the websites that we're using today are a lot different than what websites were even a couple of years ago. And that's due to a lot of different things around technology and how content management systems are. It's also about how websites play in the larger digital ecosystem that we have built. And then lastly, it was also tied into the fact that, you know, search engines are actually accessing websites a little differently because it was one of those moments where I had to stop and actually reflect on my. I thought, hey, maybe that's a good topic for a podcast. So
0: here we are. And here we are. So we've got a great interview coming up later, which I think will be a lot of fun. But before we get to that, uh, maybe to set the stage a little bit, let's throw out some jaw-dropping statistics (laughs) around uh, websites, and then uh, we'll we'll kind of dive in with some of our thoughts and commentary around the topic.
2: Well, so let's start with this one.
0: Uh, And this is a stat that you
2: found. At the end of 2018, there were
0: 348.7 million domain names registered. It's a lot. I think 48 of those are mine. <laughs> not 48 million, but literally 48. No, I was looking the other day. I, I think I do have somewhere around the 50-ish. No, probably not quite that many, but I have about 30 domain names registered. What about you?
2: Yeah, I think I have something like that, too. I was looking at my domain registry, and there are like 20 or so. What's interesting is those domain names, some of them route to the same place, while others actually route to independent different websites. Of yours,
0: how many of those are actual specific websites or different websites? Pointing somewhere? The majority of them don't even point anywhere. I just have them. I would say maybe less than 10 actually go somewhere. So I've got one for my son who does a little bit of yard uh, work in the summers. Then stuff that like for work, Social Health Institute, for example. And then some of those may be like the .com and .net versions. It's the same thing for all practical purposes, but it is two different domain names. Still 350 million there about. You know, this was at the end of 2018. So surely we've gotten to 350 by now. I mean, it's a pretty staggering number. So I found this article, which is really interesting when linked in
2: the show notes. A hundred plus internet statistics and facts for 2019. Here's some other numbers that are might be related to websites themselves that you, you might be interested in. Google, which can we just you know round Google up to say that's probably the only search engine really that's out there. I know there's others, Yahoo, Bing are still there, but still. I'm a huge
0: Bing fan. <laughs> Chandler was my favorite friend. <laughs> you just like the underdog. That's right. Well,
2: anyway, so Google now processes over 7 billion search queries a day worldwide.
0: That, that is a lot. And, and kind of the second half of that is, and this, this is the one that's almost hard for me to believe. I feel like somebody's made this up, but I don't know how to prove it wrong. 15% of those queries have never before been searched. What does that mean? I mean like they're using different strings of words <laughs> or uh, that's just a really staggeringly large number to me of like the never been searched before. The 7 billion is a huge number, but at some point this is like that whole, like when people say the sun is like 9 billion times larger than the you know, you know, those things, like yeah. it doesn't even really register with me. It's hard to contextualize that. But the 15% have never been searched before is is pretty wild to me. 2018 to 2019 actually
2: marked also a turn of how people are accessing the internet. And you you probably heard this, right? That they say that more people access the internet now on a mobile device than they do on a desktop computer.
0: A couple of years ago, we started seeing that those lines converge and then change, right? Uh, Looking at Google Analytics on some of the hospital websites, but especially in markets where there are colleges like Austin, for example, or uh, maybe Atlanta, you know, some different places like that. You have young professionals, you have university setting, et cetera. Uh, but even in the more rural markets that I work in, we've seen those uh, flip-flop. And so, yeah, I, I believe that for sure. Um, and so that's a very interesting one to keep in mind as you start thinking about the website. You know, when you think about a website and the website that you potentially are building for your
2: organization or supporting for your organization, here's another stat that just kind of blows me away. 51.3% of all websites on the internet do not use a content management system. It's heresy. How's
0: that even possible? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What are they doing? Like static HTML pages? I bet there's a huge resurgence of Dreamweaver. (laughs) some people some people will get that and some people won't and that's okay but i feel like there's like it's like a throwback it's like a retro thing it's like oh no you know i built my entire coffee shop's website in dreamweaver Uh, all the all the hipsters are going back to dreamweaver and (laughs) PageMaker. that's right hang on i gotta push up some new code you know (laughs) So great! People are accessing the internet like crazy. There's so
2: many domain names. They're going through it through mobile devices, whatever, all of these things, and they lead to websites where more than half are not on a content management system. Does that include Flash? <laughs> I, I'm not sure I'm on a Mac, so I don't really see Flash anymore. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> all of those things contribute to the fact that the websites as we use them today are a lot different than how we used them before. And that, goes, that boils down to a lot of different things that I think we could talk about today. And the interview will go into one component of that even in more depth. Let's talk about the fact that the search engines themselves, and again, rounding up to Google, yeah, there are other search engines, but let's just round everything up to Google. Google is changing the way we actually access websites. If you search lately on Google or, uh, you know, you, you kind of see that they don't put the website up first. What do you mean? They don't show organic search results at oh, the top sure, of the search sure. anymore. Yep, yep, is that right? Yep. yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's right. ads obviously, but really what you're starting to see is more of the kind of wayfinding map based kind of results. Uh, especially if you're, you're Googling around for stuff near me, you know, that, that kind of surge. They call that the Google
2: local pack, right? Where you, you're, you're getting all of those things that are, are surrounding you. Like, so you get the map, you got the reviews, you got pictures and images, you got a lot of different things. I don't know. You've heard this term before, right? That Google is your new homepage. Yeah, absolutely. And that's really around the fact that Google is trying to get basic information up and scrape it off of your site. And put all that information up so people know about you, your organization,
0: whenever, sometimes without even having to leave Google itself. So let's, let's, let's hit pause there for just one second, because I think what's interesting about that is we've seen that, even if it's subconsciously, we didn't realize what was happening in our daily life. And so that started with just the, the pure map solution, right? You did not have to go to someone's website to figure out how to find them. Or to call their number, you know, and then it was like kind of click the dial and the whole mobile thing and the smartphones and the iPhone and all that kind of stuff. I think what now has changed for healthcare is that we've seen like the review scores, for example, start to land in there. Well, there's that's a piece of data, right, that used to only reside in your website somewhere and is now is being displayed within the search result. Um, you've seen, the you know, the Mayo Clinic stuff with like the, the little kind of cards with the information about the disease or the treatment or the, you know, whatever it is. So again, you know, you, you, you're researching and in, in learning from the search engine result page versus having to actually go to a website to garner that information.
2: And it's, it's actually working because uh, they did a study and they showed that 75% of the time users find what they need in that local pack and they don't click on, they don't click further. They're getting the information they need. And I think that makes sense. I mean, what they're, what Google's doing naturally is making their, their platform that much more usable, right? So people are getting the information they need, but that can have a, a, a dramatic impact to how
0: you're presenting your website. If you think about it. Because then really, what is the value of the website at that point? There's different restaurants in town or what have you that, uh, you know, you try to call to make a reservation. Well, you already know where you want to go. And you're just Googling it real quick on the phone because you know that that little kind of local piece of content is going to come up and you can click to dial. You don't want to go to their website. It's actually more trouble to go to the website and then find the phone number, <laughs> right? You'd scrolling down to a footer, hoping it's there. Where's the contact page? You know, the hamburger menu's not working right, you know, whatever. And Google is also introducing their
2: Google knowledge panel, which allows people to make decisions like you were talking about. Like I, I just was Googling a restaurant today and uh, it pulled up the Google search result and I was pressing the button to have it direct me to the restaurant on my mm-hmm. GPS, mm-hmm. and instead I press the button to make a reservation right there on Google, and that's part of Google's knowledge panel. Google is becoming so much more useful, and they're getting that content from a variety of different sources, and primarily much of that that information is coming from your website itself.
0: So they're pulling it from the the source of truth, then, which is the website. Right. And I think that's an important
2: thing. You said, you know, you, you said earlier something around that, like, what's the use of your website? Well, in this particular case, your website now becomes a critical piece of making sure that Google is, while it's doing all this stuff and trying to keep people on Google to, you know, be more useful, is actually getting the right information.
0: Kind of like the, the NAP or whatever, the name, address, phone number, you know, and where Google expects for that kind of information to be on the site. Or if you, if you are doing a transparency initiative and you're pulling in all the caps scoring onto the website, you know, we've seen that make its way into search results as well for a particular physician. You know, all that stuff is very relevant information. And it has to be fed from somewhere, you know, so it's great. You know, it's best if you own that.
2: It's really best if you own that and you can actually feed it dynamically from your website. While a lot of large enterprises have websites, they're not really using it in a way to actually aggregate that data in a meaningful way to Google. They they audited close to 10,000 Google My Business listings and found that 27% of them don't have a link back to that organization's website. Now, could you imagine that? I mean, I think we working in hospitals... We probably spend some time thinking about Google My Business the right way,
0: or do we? I think we partially think about it. And it's predominantly around the phone number and probably the address to some degree. But majority of the concern is is the name of the listing correct? You know, is it hospital versus medical center, especially after mergers and acquisitions and things like that? But, anyways, is the, is the name correct? Is the address correct? Is the phone number correct? I think secondarily to that uh, are things like the hours, uh, which is really important for like a physician that closes at noon on Fridays, uh, is not open on Saturday and Sunday, you know, things like that, versus a clinic that is open until 11 o'clock Monday through uh, Friday, uh, but they're only open um, until 9 on Saturday and you know two to six on Sunday or whatever stuff like that is important because it does have you know when you Google these things you see them in the map and it says you know currently closed or it's open like some of those things are really important especially with episodic care. In my experience,
2: a lot of times what we do is we go out to the Google My Business panel and we start updating that information directly. Wouldn't it be much easier if your website actually dynamically shared that information with Google? my thought or my belief is that that's how website content management systems are changing. And again, back to that, you know, your website's not your website anymore. Your website's not just presenting information on your website anymore. It's actually potentially sharing information on these things as well.
0: Yeah. It's like a data aggregator. We're pushing out to not just search engines, but other review based sites, rating based Mm -hmm. sites, all kinds of stuff.
2: Think about sending stuff out to, if you tweet about this page on your website, you can actually put information into that tweet that comes from your website. Or if you are pulling together an email that lists the latest you know, content from your blog, you can actually have your website share that content directly into your email
0: dynamically. We don't have to necessarily wait for people to find it on the website, I guess.
2: We could start building the content within our content management system on our website so that it can do that. This might be a good point where we want to talk a little bit about content management systems and how Wikipedia defines them. But uh, before we do, why don't we take a brief pause and listen to a word from our sponsors.
3: Today's show is brought to you by Blue Spire, a full-service digital marketing agency focused on complex and highly regulated industries of healthcare, senior living, and financial services. Rapid
1: changes in the healthcare industry are causing consumers to seek out trusted advice, demand more transparency, and access to information and content.
3: With over 30 years of healthcare experience, Blue Spire knows how to help you reach, communicate with, and gain trust from these consumers. We help you engage with the right content at every touch point, from the first symptom search to appointment scheduling through care management. Visit us at bluespiremarketing.com to learn how we can help you deliver relevant, engaging content through ever-changing touch points that matter.
0: All right, so uh, we left off talking about content management systems, and Wikipedia clearly is correct, uh, or it wouldn't be here. (laughs) It's on the Internet. But they define a content management system as as something that manages the creation and modification of digital content. It typically supports multiple users uh, in a collaborative environment. And they break this out a little bit further to like a web content management system. Uh, talking about then that, that is a CMS that supports web pages. You know, web content management system, con- content management system, however you define that. It really, I, I think, predominantly historically has been a way that the lay person, the person that doesn't know Dreamweaver, has the ability to update, create, edit uh, text, graphics. Uh, even video, photography, maps, that kind of stuff on a website—you know—in a little bit of an easier fashion, doesn't require you to be a developer. That's
2: the the benefit of a content management system, which I'm still stuck on the fact that more than fifty percent of businesses probably don't know that benefit because <laughs> they're not using a content management system. But nonetheless, yeah. the way you describe a content management system, it really leads me to think about. Are we really using content management systems to do content management? Shouldn't it do all of your content management? And content management, I found a different Wikipedia article that actually described content management. And they describe that as a set of processes and technologies that support the collection, managing, and publishing of information in any form or any medium.
0: I think we've just thought of content management systems because they were historically when they first came out, even if you look at some of the open source stuff like like WordPress, uh, which is still very popular today as, as it should be. Uh, and then there's some more licensed-based systems, Sitecore, Sitefinity, ConnectCo, uh, you know, etc. But regardless of what you're using, they historically have been an inward-facing piece of technology, right? It's only used... To update, add, edit, delete, what, whatever, to manage something that you built, i.e. your website or websites or landing pages or campaign you know, assets or, or what have you. I don't think the way we've thought about it included the idea that using these would then ultimately update Google.
2: I really believe that that's really the future of content management systems. Maybe it's not your website. Your website's always going to be there, but your website is the endpoint, it's just one endpoint of all the content that may be sitting in your content management system. That led me to kind of think about all the different types of digital technologies and processes that are driving us towards this, where your content management system is suddenly free of just publishing to one place your website. And that's publishing to many different places.
0: We've historically, or we think of the content management system as the website versus a piece of technology that sure informs the website. But to your point, a bunch of other things, but we don't really untether it. I don't think in our minds from the website, we just think the public facing website is the driving factor. We don't go choose a CMS and then build the website. We decided we want a new website and then that may dictate a new CMS. Like I don't think we've ever thought like, you know what, I, we really need to better manage our content. Therefore, I'm going to go select a content management system that does all these things. I don't think, I, maybe some people have. I think more and
2: more people are starting to think that way, Reed, though, because think about all these different things that are kind of floating around there. We've talked about the term headless CMS before. Do you remember us talking Mm -hmm. about that? Oh, yeah. And that's really what that means is you're separating your content from the presentation layer. This very fact that we're talking about, it allows you to build a digital extensions of your website to publish into social media, into email marketing, into other websites, etc. There's a number of big organizations that actually are doing this right now. NPR happens to be one of them. They have one content management system and they have countless numbers of websites that they're publishing to countless number of apps that they're publishing to They're they're I mean, obviously they're creating a lot of content, they're NPR, but they're putting it in and then publishing it to all these different places.
0: That's interesting. So I guess we've, we've had this evolution of like no content management system, right? Like a just a hard coded website with HTML and flash back in the day. <laughs> Uh, but in any case, no content management system. And then, then we had the content management system. And it was like a one-to-one relationship. We had a content management system with a website. Like it was just one thing. And then we kind of moved into this, this idea, uh, which is still a good one, of kind of the multi-tenant scenario. So you've got one content management system publishing across uh, a number of public-facing websites. You can, quote-unquote, manage a whole bunch of websites with one login, and so you've got content and assets and things like that that, through different you know ways, checking boxes and maybe that's a little oversimplification. You can make it show up on different websites and all that kind of stuff. And so that's that's cool. And now we're at this, like you just mentioned, the headless CMS that really you know uh, divorces the technology from the presentation layer, like you mentioned, and uh, really gives us the ability to not have not have to run this through a public-facing website. You could go straight to an app, straight to email marketing, social media, etc. You could even go to, if you wanted to,
2: go straight to print it offline, honestly. Um, mm. And I've seen seen some people do that too, right? Where this becomes, we hear this a lot in hospitals. They want to, uh, when's the latest uh, physician directory going to be created? Well, what if you could print the physician directory on demand using the content in your content management system? That's
0: the way to do it.
2: As far as I know, I mean, at least it keeps you up to date, <laughs> right? And read a couple, um, a number of episodes ago, we talked about create once, publish everywhere. That really fits into this whole model. If you could create it in a one place and publish it to multiple different places, that's kind of the the, the nature of what this headless CMS could be.
0: And matter of fact, that was more than a few episodes ago. That was. Any guesses how long ago we talked about Cope? Oh my gosh, no. I can't re- can't imagine. Like, like, pick an episode number. We're currently recording 115. Like, what number do you think it would be? 35. 11. 11? <laughs> so, more than 100 episodes ago. April the 19th. So, just about two years to the day. April the 19th, 2017. So go back for a blast from the
2: past and give that episode a listen when you want to hear about create once, publish everywhere. Yep. There you go. What other things, what other technologies um, could be, you know, changing the way CMSs are?
0: Well, you, know, you mentioned social media publishing and we talked about that kind of at length a couple of episodes ago from the technology side of the equation. But I think that is a really interesting one to me. But also, if you think about it, going down kind of that paid path, uh is an interesting one
2: native advertising
0: yeah yeah exactly that could be kind of interesting
2: what about personalization i mean we talked about it before and we've interviewed a couple people about that you know where you can actually dynamically start building sites depending on who it is that's accessing your site what that means is your site becomes completely dynamic here's uh, here's something that just blew my mind and i learned this over the last week You know Kayak, right? The travel company, the travel website, Mm Kayak.com. At any given point in time, they have 150 different websites that they're doing A-B testing on for their users. Sounds like a nightmare. They're using this content in a way where it dynamically builds.
0: So there's not 150 different logins? That's right. Exactly. Exactly.
2: <laughs> what they're what they're constantly doing is they're testing it. Right. They're testing things out and learning from that and bringing that back in to structure their website and their their content management system a little bit better.
0: I think that's really interesting. Wow, 150 different websites. Um, I, I wonder what like what levels of differentiation they are between those. Obviously, they can't be too terribly different. You don't want some user going to the website and then coming back and being like, "Whoa, what happened?" But um I think that is is pretty fascinating and an interesting way to to kind of stay agile and test new things
2: we We're talking a lot about websites and people coming back to websites. How many people are not actually using
0: the browsers anymore to access the internet? What about the internet of things? Mm, the internet of things that that is interesting, and this is where we get into well maybe not exactly, but the voice first stuff obviously is is interesting. Uh, Internet of Things is is super interesting when you get into the healthcare and, and especially the hospital space because of just all the connected devices that exist within you know an organization. Yeah, especially as you think about like Alexa and some of the voice uh, components, it's like, well, how does that information get there? Well, content management system. So again, if if you think about like, what if like this thing that runs your website, as we historically have thought about it is now informing people just asking Google or, you know, Alexa questions. But also, if you think about all the other things that are connected within a hospital, all the other devices, based on, uh, you know, actions they take, information that could be provided uh, after those actions are taken, based on your content management system.
2: And it could... Pick up the fact that maybe you're going down this particular care pathway and serve up information to your own individual web page about you and about your health. That's really the promise here, right? That we're, we're going to be creating these personalized web-like experiences, website experiences for your individual health. It, it all boils down to the fact that you know, your website is
0: not your website anymore. Whew. It's, uh, it's kind of mind blowing a little bit. So what, what is the future of quote unquote the website?
2: Well, I think a big part of the future state of websites is, is based on the fact that your content has to become very structured in a way that you can distribute, federate, and associate that content to itself, to other things in your content management system and to other devices or entry points or other touch points across your digital ecosystem.
0: So taxonomy again, while sounded neat at one point is probably becoming more important than
2: we have an interview coming up, not in today's episode, but in a future episode around taxonomy. But today's interview is going to be with a good friend of the pod, Carrie Liken from Yext. And her and I get into it very deep around structured content.
0: Do we call it the pod? Is that, we call it that now? Is that a thing? <laughs> While Chris and I do ponder, uh, if we can call this the pod or not, let's, uh, yeah, let's, uh, go listen to Carrie for a few minutes.
1: Are you struggling with online reputation management? Binary health analytics provides healthcare systems, hospitals, And physician practices a complete view into managing patient feedback from online ratings and reviews and especially surveys it continuously mines feedback for sediment uncovering timely and actionable insights its management tools help turn these insights into an opportunity to increase patient engagement manage reputation and improve patient experience to learn more about binary health analytics visit binary fountain online at Binaryfountain.com. That is binaryfountain.com.
2: All right, welcome back to the Ask the Experts section of our podcast. And today (laughs) I've actually been talking with you, Carrie, for a little while now. And now we're actually going to get on. the microphone and actually start having this conversation. So this is Carrie Liken. Thank you for coming to the show today.
3: I get to actually be here face to face. Uh,
2: this is my my treat. So excited. I mean, Carrie, I, I hear you a lot. You're on a lot of podcasts. You're also <laughs> you're so prolific, I was mentioning online, and you've been on our show a couple of times mm-hmm. before. It's been
3: fun every time.
2: Absolutely. But there are maybe some people listening in that do not know about you. So why don't we do an introduction? Okay. Let people know who you are.
3: All right. Okay, so I'm Carrie Liken. I'm the head of healthcare at YX. And Yex is a software platform that organizes information, anything that somebody could be searching for. And then we syndicate it to a lot of different places like your website, like Google, Vitals, wellness.com, Apple, et cetera. So if somebody's asking a question, a patient's asking a question, we can hopefully provide that answer to mm-hmm. that patient. I've been at Yex for two and a half years. I was at Google for eight and a half years before mm-hmm. that. And I've been talking about the digital patient journey for Ever.
2: Forever. 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 I know. And that's how you and I originally got to know each other mm-hmm. is you're talking about that. And it's been a long, strange trip. And now here we are. <laughs> so you were talking about it yes. Yeah, you know, one of the things that you do is you take content and you, and, and how did you describe it again? You take content and federate it to multiple different places. Is that right? Is that a fair way to say that? Yeah,
3: that's a fair way of saying it. We structure data. Okay. So our platform houses data in a structured way. And then we enable for that data to combine in a certain way and be surfaceable. So if somebody's searching for a particular doctor on Google and they're Mm -hmm. searching for a cardiologist near me who accepts Blue Cross, who's rated four stars or above, hopefully the data can surface in such a way that Dr. Smith, who might fulfill all of those criteria points, Mm -hmm. that Dr. Smith surfaces first on Google.
2: So, structured data.
3: Structured data.
2: Quite honestly, structured data is so critically important to those of us that are doing digital in this space. Well, I would say anybody who does digital, really, it's not just healthcare. But it's something that a lot of times people don't think of first. Me as a digital person at a health system, I often talk about our websites and I talk about social media and I talk about email and all of these things and, and our CRM and et cetera. But those are really just the platforms to basically execute structured data. Mm-hmm. Structured data in and of itself is probably one of the most critical things yeah. in a digital marketing person's toolkit, wouldn't you say?
3: Yeah, for sure. But I think that in healthcare, It's not really yet recognized. I'm Mm. starting to hear it be talked about quite a bit more, Mm -hmm. which makes me really excited. Right. But it's not really the first thing that organizations think about. And the paradigm shift that needs to happen is that it needs to become the first thing that Mm. organizations think about because it is the foundation of literally everything. It could be the foundation of an email campaign. Mm -hmm. It could be the foundation of your CMS and your website. It could be the foundation of your find a doctor. It's the foundation Mm -hmm. of discoverability on Google. It is literally the foundation. And if you don't know where your doctors are, what your doctors treat, where your facilities are, symptoms, conditions, treatment, all of these elements of, and I like to think about it from the search perspective of somebody's looking for something, Where is the data? Where does it live? And how do you get that answer to what somebody's looking for? It's data at the end of the day.
2: And, you know, I say this sometimes when I talk to people on my team that are looking at a web page or, you know, wanting to improve the site on the web page, and I say, you know, a lot of times on a web page, on, a, on a, a website, a hospital website or otherwise, there's a lot of content that people that actually they did not see. Yes. Right? You're only seeing the words that are on the page, maybe how yeah. it's structured in a visual way. But when we're talking about structured data, we're talking about elements. Like, the, we're going deep. This mm-hmm. is deeper than taxonomy. This is, like, getting into elements of the content that is structured in a way so that other systems can read it. Am I right?
3: Yeah, that's true. The website is changing. Yeah. And the way that the website is being discovered is changing. Mm -hmm. And people are finding information off of a website in Mm -hmm. healthcare, most especially, more so than they are going to a website. Mm -hmm. And what I hear with health systems is that when they're doing these website redesign projects, which tends to be the trend, Mm -hmm. a lot of organizations are still thinking about content and all of that undiscovered information. Mm -hmm. And yet... When somebody goes to the website, they're not necessarily always looking for that. In fact, many times they're not looking for all of that. That's why it's mm-hmm. undiscovered. Mm-hmm. So how do you effectively maximize when somebody does get to the site itself? How do you maximize surfacing up what exactly it is that they're looking for?
2: So what you're saying is that when you know we spend a lot of time thinking about like our find-a-doctor tool, mm-hmm. or we, like we want to have a location search or a condition search or things like that, What the structured data actually allows those entry points to actually find find that content is that correct
3: yeah it basically allows for connection so think about we were just talking about this earlier think about the simplistic most beautiful search experience
4: okay google
3: that would be google (laughs) yeah (laughs) which i got to spend a lot of time (laughs) there yeah But if you think about that experience, and I remember when Marissa Meyer was uh, in charge of that visual, that landing page when you went to Mm Google.com, she forever said nothing will find itself on this landing page except for the search bar. Mm. And so people were trained to search in a way, because there was nothing else that you could click on. So you would just go to that bar and you'd ask lots of questions. Right. And then it was up to Google to try to parse out what exactly that searcher was looking for to surface up blue links. And Mm -hmm. then little snippets and now answers. Mm -hmm. If you think about that experience and you parlay that over to a health system website Mm -hmm. or a food service website, like Mm -hmm. think about Chipotle, or if you think about a hotel website, instead of cluttering everything just ask somebody what is it that they're looking for and the data that underlies all of that when you can build relationships among the data somebody's looking for that doctor who's near me who's rated 4 stars who treats mitral valve repair it's those relationships and connection points within the data that can then be surfaced when somebody's asking that question mm-hmm. on that very simple search bar
2: because people don't go in a very linear fashion no. and say, I'm looking for doctors and then I'm going to drop down a search bar that, or a, a drop down menu that says this type of insurance yeah. and um, in this zip code. Mm-hmm. That's not how people think about no. searching for data nowadays, right? No,
3: you're searching in a way on Google. And then when you finally come to a, a system website, you're boxing yourself in. Mm-hmm. Organizations are boxing people into the search experience mm-hmm. and people don't like that. And people want to find something in a much more natural, or organic way because they've been trained for twenty years to do it right. since nineteen ninety eight.
2: Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like almost like uh, websites nowadays that have that capability. It feels like the old Alta Vista days, or, <laughs> you know, like where you have to choose the drop down yeah. menus to actually search. But now Google, because Google set the standard of making yeah. it so easy for people to find information, mm-hmm. structured data suddenly becomes critically important to yeah. to to any digital channel that you're on. I mean, we, we're beating up websites, which I think we should right? We should beat Let's, them up.
3: Well, think about it. Websites aren't necessarily the destination anymore. And there is a big announcement about uh, Amazon mm-hmm. and you know, HIPAA enabled skills now That's and people crazy. using voice devices. I was looking at some of our newest data and almost 30% increase year over year in the 65 year old plus population, just utilizing voice devices. Structured data is good for discovery that way too. Mm-hmm. And the website, there's no screen involved in that. Hmm. So if you think about all of the different distributed ways that people are finding information now, it's not always a website. We should be questioning the website. We right. need to be thinking differently about the website and we need to be thinking patient or consumer first. And how is it that they're getting there and how is how had they gotten there and how do we replicate that experience?
2: That's an interesting point here. Because if you structure your data in such a way that it makes it easy for a search engine to find it, whether mm-hmm. that search engine is on your site or anywhere else, mm-hmm. then that suddenly makes your data that much more freer. That's oh, so free. That's from,
3: right. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. Right?
2: Right. It, 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 it frees it from the, the, the content management. Well, maybe not content management system. Let's talk a little bit about that because I think content management system or CMSs are a little bit misunderstood, mm-hmm. right? Because I think a lot of times people associate a CMS to a particular type of web presence yes. or a presentation layer, right? Right. And we've mm-hmm. talked a lot about the differences between uh, content layer and presentation layer in what they call headless, yes, headless configurations. Mm-hmm. So, what are your thoughts on that?
4: I
3: love it. Headless. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. When you have a, when you have that uh, that ability to to spin up something very quickly. So, if mm-hmm. you're looking for again. Somebody's coming to a website and they're looking for something very unique. Mm -hmm. When they're looking for that cardiologist who treats mitral valve repair, who's rated four stars or above, and who is based in Provo, Utah, Mm
4: -hmm.
3: you can quickly pull all of that information together and spin up a page Mm -hmm. that enables that person who is searching in that way to have a personalized experience. Mm -hmm. That's not easy to do if you don't have something that's headless.
2: That's right. I heard like kayak you know, that travel website. Mm -hmm. They, they have a headless configuration. They have like 150 different types of ways they present data, depending on how you enter into their web presences. Isn't that crazy? Do, doesn't about? it
3: make you a little bit scary in healthcare? Like, doesn't that scare you a little bit? A little bit. I feel like people are going to run to the hills, and they're going to run into the cave, and they're going to become the ostriches and say, nope, not us.
2: Right, because we want to be known as that authoritative right. single source, and mm-hmm. you come to us. And sure, I mean, I've seen some configurations and some websites, and I've been exploring it myself, to like, maybe we create create a different entry page mm-hmm. for a, a referring provider as opposed to a consumer as, you know, what what have you. And I think that that's, that's a, a step towards the right direction. Mm-hmm. But in this new world order of structured data, you don't need that anymore,
3: no, do you? You can just spin it so that whenever somebody is searching for whatever it is that they're searching for, you can call upon the different data points and then pull it all together for that personalized experience. It's mind-blowing a
2: little bit. Yeah, my mind blew just a little bit. (laughs) And I'm also thinking about, like, that sounds tremendously difficult to do.
3: But I don't think it is. I think, first of all, the data is really difficult. Mm -hmm. That's where I hear everyone initially, they're fearful, and they will drag their heels. Mm -hmm. And they'll say, Well, we're going to put a committee together, we're going to try to figure out what Mm -hmm. this project is, we're going to get all of our data all pulled together, and then we're going to house it on-premises, because Mm -hmm. that's really the way of the future, which it's not, and then we're just going to take 10 years to do that. And that's a problem because we need to do this faster. So once we get over the hurdle of the data, then when we think about all of the different iterations of what people could be asking and how the information needs to come together on a single page and what the entry points are, that scares people. But it doesn't have to. There are organizations out there and there are different ways of thinking about this where we can pull all of this information together in a very seamless way. It doesn't have to be scary. But then it goes back to what we were talking about earlier. It goes back to the data. Mm -hmm. You have to have the data and the relationships among the different data points to be able to even facilitate the next step.
2: You make it sound simplistic, but I, I, I suppose...
3: Yeah, I suppose <laughs> I'm supposed to.
2: <laughs> and you do a good job of Thank it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but if I were to start down this path, or someone listening in wants to start down this path, where would where would we start? I mean, how would we start to look and and, and think about this? Because it's a little bit different than the way we think about yeah, it now.
3: That's, that's a good question. It's So a lot of organizations will say, well, we don't have the data. Yeah. But they do. Mm. Data lives in a lot of different places. Mm. So... You could start by taking a look, especially if in marketing, mm-hmm. you have a find-a-doctor on your website. Yeah. There is no way that you don't. Yeah. So you have data there, and it's living somewhere. So it's either living in a credentialing platform that is dropping a nightly feed mm-hmm. into a CMS. Right. Or it's living in the CMS, or it's living within some sort of homegrown system in the within marketing somewhere. Mm-hmm. That data lives somewhere. Mm-hmm. So there's at least something.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: So start there. Yeah. Find your data there. Okay. And then figure out what kind of data points do you have and what kind of data points would you like to have.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And then once you start looking at that, I think then it's time to start evaluating where can we house this data? Are there platforms we can house it in? And what should we be doing with it? Sure. But then what I would say is take a look at your analytics. So if you utilize Google or Adobe or any analytical program, take a look at what people are actually typing to get to your site today. That is a leading indicator of intent and a leading indicator of just what people need and want. That's external. Then take a look at your analytics on your website your site search analytics, and your find a doctor analytics. Mm-hmm. So I love data stuff. So anytime right. I can look at analytics, it's super exciting for me. <laughs> but I would say take a look at that because you can see what people are searching for on site search, and then you can also see what people are searching for provider-wise. And mm-hmm. you'll start to see themes. And once you can pull all of that external analytics data, what's bringing people to you, the internal data, of what once somebody's on the site, what are they, what questions are they asking? What are they wanting? And then you can start to say, these are the themes I'm seeing. I'm seeing a lot of insurance questions. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. I don't have that data in my master data set mm-hmm. that's either coming from credentialing or it's sitting in marketing. So now I have, I have a job to do. I need to go find out where that insurance information lives. And I need to start pulling it in. So it's a step by step process.
2: It's like eating an elephant. You do it yeah, one bite at a time. You just have to take one bite. Right? You
3: can't. You can't be afraid of the elephant.
2: <laughs> That's actually an interesting way. I mean, I, I've I've spent a lot of time looking at how people are searching or find a doctor, mm-hmm. and the intention is to make sure that um, you know we're 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 tagging and we're doing the taxonomy correctly so yeah. that people can find that. What you're then doing is you're basically building the roadmap towards this unfettered content
3: that's right you are and the best part about it is that as you continue to collect that information you've now just built a much richer data set for Mm. for yourself Mm. and for the future
4: Mm.
3: and then when you think about that and then you think about how more people are Finding information, let's say on Google and other places, Mm -hmm. then you can really start to think through the relationships and then the discoverability once somebody is searching for that doctor who treats mitral valve repair, who's rated four stars or above, who's located in Provo, Utah. If they're doing that search on Google, now you can easily try to build a page that surfaces, because it's schema tag, you could surface it first, hopefully. Nobody can really control that but Google, but services at first, so that particular doctor is the one that services that the patient can click on it and go right back to that page, that provider's page, and it fulfills all of the criteria points of that search query.
2: So effectively, you don't need your homepage anymore. You
3: sort of just <laughs> distributed. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, I, I like to think about the website being upside down. So people are no longer going to a website, to the homepage, and then drilling down by clicking on menus and links and then taking an action. They're finding you through the bottom parts of your website. Yeah. And they're coming to you. And as long as you can get them to come to you, the homepage itself is less important, but there are people who will go there. So how sure. do you how do you make sure that for those people who go to the website, you're giving them the, the ultimate experience?
2: But if you structure your data the right way, then the ultimate experience is a same Google Google like te- search. search bar, right? It's yeah.
3: simple.
4: It's wow. So simple. <laughs>
2: wow. So in effect what you're saying in the same sentence you're saying your website your cms the way we think of it today really doesn't matter right but it actually becomes very important because it's upside down it's upside down and it's all based on structured data exactly and do you think that in the future i mean it's not only voice it's like who knows internet of things now you can have your your you know your microwave search your website you
3: can Google is now in a billion devices, Yeah, and that's crazy. Google Assistant is now in a billion devices, and that's not necessarily just a phone or a Google Home. That's all of these different places.
2: It's in your car. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. But
3: there's also, my Google Maps, I'm one of those Google Maps local testers, or I'm not exactly a local guide, Mm -hmm. and I just got a beta invite for AR maps experience. How cool would that be in healthcare? Wow. So what if you could house some of that information in a structured way that then when you walked into a health system, all of a sudden then you could do some wayfinding associated with it, which would then give you some um, AR related experiences as you're looking at your phone walking down the hall
2: that's crazy there's
3: cra- you know i don't know what else is coming it's, yeah. it's voice now but ar vr all of these other things are coming and then this table that we're sitting at might be able to talk to us at one point these chairs might be able to talk to us or we talk to them mm-hmm. it, it's a scary world
2: yeah, but I mean it's, it's kind of fun. But but I mean, ultimately, what you're doing is you're aligning it to whatever that future experience
3: might be. Yes, and right? again, it's all back to the data. Mm-hmm. There, nothing can really be successful unless you actually have structured data that can feed into whatever experience is happening now or in the future.
2: That's awesome! Wow. Carrie, every time I get together with you, I learn so much and I think so much. My brain hurts a little bit now, but in a good way. It's
4: always fun. I
2: appreciate that. And, um, you know, when we when we first met, you know, today, we didn't even think that we were going to be talking about this. No. But It's funny how that this that here we are. So, Carrie, for people listening in. Yes that can't find you because obviously they don't know how to use Google, what are ways that they can get a hold of you and reach you online?
3: The best way to get in touch with me is via LinkedIn. So Carrie, C-A-R-R-I-E. And my last name is Liken, L-I-K-E-N.
2: Okay, we'll link to you in the show notes for sure, and also link out to the blogs in which you publish a lot of great, interesting stuff. And you're you're about to publish another article that I'm going to be wait, looking at. Yeah. I know exactly. Yes. So we'll link to that so people can listen in for that. Carrie, um, we uh, anytime I get a chance to get in front of you, microphone or not, I always love to talk to you. But I definitely will try to get a microphone every time, you know, anytime <laughs> in the future.
3: It's so. always a pleasure. It's super fun, especially face to face.
1: Exactly, it is. Thanks so much. Thank you. At HealthGrades, Better Health gets a head start. They help millions of consumers each month to find and schedule appointments with their provider of choice. With their scheduling solutions and advanced analytics applications, they partner with more than 500 hospitals across the country to cultivate new patient relationships, improve patient access, and build customer loyalty. To learn more, visit them online at HealthGrades.com. That is healthgrades.com.
2: Reed, I really, as always, enjoy talking with Carrie Liken. She's just so smart, and she's got some great ideas. And I tell you, we started that interview thinking about talking about something else and we totally went this direction and it kind of felt like a very nice natural fit for this episode.
0: No, was great. She's, she's great, very thoughtful and always appreciate her time. So it's awesome. Well, very cool. We've got uh, a couple of things coming up. I know the, uh, uh, HMPS uh, is coming up in May from a conference perspective. We mentioned earlier, Greg is actually at the ATA, the American Telemedicine Associations Conference out in New Orleans. So as you're listening to this, they are kind of winding that down, I guess, uh, down that direction. Anything else on your, your agenda coming up? I, again, I keep saying this. I hope we can announce a few things before too terribly long for the summer months, but uh, still waiting to kind of get confirmation on a couple of things. But uh, anything else come to mind for you?
2: No, I have a couple of things that I'm. I'll probably be ready to announce in a, in a few weeks or so. But um, there are some things in the works for sure that are coming up, and other conferences and other ways that uh, people can can uh, we can connect with others. So stay tuned, and um, we'll we'll have news coming.
0: All right. Well, before we uh, before we cut out of here, uh, maybe a couple of recommendations. What uh, what do you have this week? Read. I'm
2: going to make a recommendation for something that um, I actually did today. It is, uh, you know, springtime now here in the Twin Cities, and today um, my wife and I we went to the Minneapolis Institute of Art. They had a big event which they call Art in Bloom, where floral artists, people that you know, make art with uh, flowers. They created inspired floral arrangements based on the art that's actually at the Minnesota Minnesota Institute of Art. It's a really great event. It's only for, you know, like a handful of days, free to the public to go. And it really got me thinking as I was walking through the museum today is that my recommendation today will be uh, for people to go to a museum every so often. There you go. Go spend some time looking at some art. could be, you know, whatever kind of museum it is that you you prefer, whatever is local to you. It doesn't have to be a big fancy one. It, um, It could be the little local museum or the little local art gallery, but just spend some time going out there and enjoying and appreciating different
0: things that are out there because those things are, you know, those are really important to us. Yeah, that's a great, great recommendation. I am probably recommending something that is quite possibly the entire polar opposite of going to a museum. (laughs) Um, I'm going to recommend the Remington sport loads. Now what this is, this is a, uh, a 12 gauge shotgun shell that I've really become accustomed to. And like, it's a lot of fun shooting skeet. I mean, hunting's fine or whatever, but it's a lot of fun shooting skeet, right? It's like going bowling or throwing darts or whatever. You can have a good game of it or whatnot. You know, target load is typically a number eight, uh, which is a little fine. It's, a, you know, you get a big spread, but you may not, you know, create enough damage to to knock the shell down in some cases. So I like to go with like a seven and a half. So I'm going to recommend the seven and a half, the one ounce payload, seven and a half 12 gauge uh, shell, the uh, Remington Sport Loads specifically. So you can pick that up at your local sporting goods store. I'm sure the Winchester double steel is not bad as well. I like those. But yeah, go go with the seven and a half. Don't go with the eight. Maybe even a seven. You know, if you're if you're a pretty good shot. So,
2: I don't think it's necessarily the complete opposite of going to a museum. In fact, there are quite a number of different types of ammunition museums and, and military museums across the country that you can go to and doing a Google search and, you know, looking at the top uh, Google searches that, you know, through the as, uh, hearkening back to our previous episode, there are quite a few of them in my area as close as Wisconsin. So that that is the Museum of the Badger Army Ammunition. Wow. <laughs> You'll find that
0: every day. <laughs> Oh, very cool. Well, awesome. <laughs> this is a funny way to, to wrap up a, uh, a a show on content, but um, content management systems. But anyway, it's great, and we appreciate <laughs> we appreciate the support. Yeah, tweet me tweet me the shotgun shell you prefer, and um, you know what kind of shot you are. But. And, and 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 subsequently, tweet me the, the your favorite museum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Well, awesome. Well, so wraps up episode 115 of Touchpoint. He's Chris Boyer. I'm Reed Smith. Uh, touchpoint.health is the website. And uh, please rate, review, subscribe, or on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. So until next week, I'm Reed and he's Chris.